of interest and respect. The young man raised his head. What is it? said he. You desired a confessor? replied Aramis. Yes. Because you were ill? Yes. Very ill? The young man gave Aramis a piercing glance and answered, I thank you. After a moment's silence, I have seen you before, he continued. Aramis bowed. Doubtless the scrutiny the prisoner had just made of the cold, crafty, and imperious character stamped upon the features of the Bishop of Vannes was little reassuring to one in his situation, for he added, I am better. And so, said Aramis, why then, being better, I have no longer the same need of a confessor, I think, not even of the hair-cloth which the note you found in your bread informed you of? The young man started, but before he had either assented or denied, Aramis continued, not even of the ecclesiastic from whom you were to hear an important revelation? If it be so, said the young man, sinking again on his pillow, it is different. I am listening. Aramis then looked at him more closely, and was struck with the easy majesty of his mien, one which can never be acquired unless heaven has implanted it in the blood or heart. Sit down, monsieur, said the prisoner. Aramis bowed and obeyed. How does the Bastille agree with you? asked the bishop. Very well. You do not suffer? No. You have nothing to regret? Nothing. Not even your liberty? What do you call liberty, monsieur? asked the prisoner with the tone of a man who is preparing for a struggle. I call liberty the flowers, the air, light, the stars, the happiness of going whithersoever the sinewy limbs of one and twenty chance to wish to carry you. The young man smiled. Whether in resignation or contempt, it was difficult to tell. Look, said he, I have in that Japanese vase two roses gathered yesterday evening in the bud from the governor's garden. This morning they have blown and spread their vermilion chalice beneath my gaze. With every opening petal they unfold the treasures of their perfumes, filling my chamber with a fragrance that embalms it. Look now on these two roses. Even among roses these are beautiful, and the rose is the most beautiful of flowers. Why, then, do you bid me desire other flowers when I possess the loveliest of all? Aramis gazed at the young man in surprise. If flowers constitute liberty, sadly resumed the captive, I am free, for I possess them. But the air, cried Aramis, air is so necessary to life. Well, monsieur, returned the prisoner, draw near to the window. It is open. Between high heaven and earth, the wind whirls on its waftages of hail and lightning, exhales its torrid mist, or breathes in gentle breezes. It caresses my face. 
when mounted on the back of this armchair with my arm around the bars of the window to sustain myself, I fancy I am swimming the wide expanse before me. The countenance of Aramis darkened as the young man continued. Light, I have. What is better than light? I have the sun, a friend who comes to visit me every day without the permission of the governor or the jailer's company. He comes in at the window and traces in my room a square the shape of the window which lights up the hangings of my bed and floods the very floor. This luminous square increases from ten o'clock till midday and decreases from one till three slowly, as if, having hastened to my presence, it sorrowed at bidding me farewell. When its last ray disappears, I have enjoyed its presence for five hours. Is not that sufficient? I have been told that there are unhappy beings who dig in quarries and laborers who toil in mines who never behold it at all.